The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of... Yeah, it's that good. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly good movies and asks the question, is it really that good? Tonight's movie is 2005's V for Vendetta, directed by James McTeague, starring Natalie Portman, Hugo Weaving, Stephen Ray, and John Hurt. V for Vendetta is a 2005 political thriller film based on the 1982 comic book of the same name by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. This film currently holds a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? The futuristic tale unfolds in a Great Britain that's a fascist state. A freedom fighter known as V uses terrorist tactics to fight the oppressive society. He rescues a young woman from the secret police and she becomes his unlikely ally. That's not a lot of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It, it was the shortest one so i grabbed it all right okay tonight's movie was sponsored by tom tom writes in and says hey guys my sponsored episode is coming up so i thought i'd write in i picked viva vendetta for a few reasons but mostly due to how much i've enjoyed the other episodes based on alan moore's work the league of extraordinary gentlemen constantine and watchmen after this i think the only one you'll have left is from hell even though it's rated moderately fresh I think it's worth looking at to see what critics thought went right. I love the movie on its own, but it does lose a little bit when compared to the graphic novel, as some elements are stripped out or changed. But as you said with Watchmen, if they tried to cram everything in, it would end up a jumbled mess. So I think it does a good job capturing the spirit of the graphic novel, but not the whole detail. Plus, V does some yes, that bad level alliteration when he introduces himself to Evie. Not sure when I'll get to listen to this episode, as my son, Tom Jr. 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 Jr., that's not an exaggeration. He'll be Tom V, is due to be born right around the time this episode's released. Congrats to Kevin on the upcoming baby. So I hope you enjoy it and get a well-deserved palate cleanser. $50 is a small price to pay to show my appreciation for all the hours of entertainment. And I'm sure I speak for all the listeners when I say thanks for all the work you guys do every week, Tom. In regards to the uh, Alan Moore movies that we haven't reviewed, I think he's forgetting about Swamp Thing. That's true, actually. He's right. You're right. Yeah. This guy. Walking Wikipedia. Okay, Viva Vendetta, what is your history with this? I own it. I've read the graphic novel and I've seen the movie 20 million times. I saw this in theaters when it first came out and I haven't seen it since. I saw this movie in theaters. I read the graphic novel when I was in college. This movie has the subtle distinction of being in an elite club. I've only ever seen two movies in the theater three times. That's the most I've ever seen a movie in the theater is three times. Very illustrious club with Viva Vendetta and its cousin, The Matrix Reloaded. I saw those three times. One of those times, I saw it with this joker to the left of me, a young man named Martin. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Natalie Portman. Is this our first time on this show? I mean, we have a list now of all the people. Have you seen that, Kevin? Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> One of our longtime listeners, Leo. Leo from Connecticut, he compiled a list of which actors have been on our show the most. The results were shocking, to say the least. Yeah. So if you want to see this list, head on over to facebook.com slash yes, that bad. You can see this list. Natalie Portman, who's going to uh who's gonna argue and say that she's not a good actress? I'll say this though, in comparison to 
to the other actors in this movie, she might have been towards the bottom. Piss poor compared to the other people. They were running circles around her. She did a good job, yes. No, 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 she Can did. Can we talk about her accent? Her accent in this movie Atrocious. is really poor, right? I didn't buy her as British for one second. One nanosecond, she, right? She sounded like I was trying to pretend I was British. <laughs> and it came and went, right? It seemed to yep. come and go. Yeah. Very George Clooney of her. <laughs> You know, and there are certain times in the movie when she would like really bite down hard on the action. Like she'd go really hard mm-hmm. and it was, it, it was just really pointed out how bad of a job <laughs> she was doing with this accent. You know what was weird? I must have been out of my mind. Her acting came and went. Her accent came and went. There was one scene where her acting was too over the top that it kind of like brought me out of the movie a little bit. For the first time this happened. I don't feel anything anymore. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> how did you know? <laughs> She's like, I don't feel you anything anymore. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. <laughs> Especially as she's standing next to Hugo Weaving, who's just like killing it. Uh, he, he was unreal. <laughs> he's unbelievable. Yeah, unreal engine, of course. <laughs> he's using the unreal, unreal engine, engine to act. Yeah, so Natalie Portman, she did a good job, but not good enough. How about that? Agreed. There were some heavyweights in this movie. Yeah. Even like the side people who had like three lines did a really good job in this movie. This is a beautifully acted movie. It really is. As far as experience, she's really lacking in in comparison to like Hugo Weaving, who's been acting since she was like two. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't Natalie Portman been acting since she was two? That's a high possibility. <laughs> what the listeners really want to know is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how pretty hot and tempting was Natalie Portman in this movie? <laughs> Martin the- Mar just rubbed his chin <laughs> and really deliberated on this. Thanks for uh, asking me, Joel. I'm- <laughs> actually gave this a lot of thought and uh, I'm going to say that she is four out of five Natalie Portmans, if that clarifies anything. When does she get a that five? That makes it so unclear. <laughs> when does she get a five Natalie Portmans? <laughs> Where do other people rank on the Natalie Portman scale? They they don't. She has her own scale. <laughs> like in Garden State, Natalie Port- uh, she she gets like a two out of five Natalie Portmans. Oh, that's a bit harsh. She was looking pretty hot and tempting in this movie for sure until, she, until V shaved her head. Then she was looking pretty unfortunate. What about the scene with the bishop? Yeah, come on! Let me, uh... <laughs> That's gotta be like a 6 out of 5. Let me, re- <laughs> let, let me refer to my notes. <laughs> Rewind scene where underwear is shown as she rolls off bed three times. <laughs> That's my, that's, that's, my, that's my official note from that scene. She gets a 10 out of 10 on the PHNT scale. The pretty hot and tempting. Is she fat? Yeah. Is she baby fat? I don't know. Is she... Wow. <laughs> baby fat is a brand of clothing. Yes, I'm well aware. <laughs> I'll say this about her. That's, she was, that's pretty hot and tempting. I'll say this about Natalie Portman in this movie. She gets the total package. A, she's pretty hot and tempting. <laughs> B, she actually does get to act. And C, her character is actually worthwhile in this movie. Like, she gets to be a weakling in the beginning and, and turns into a stronger person in the end. So she actually gets to do something, a little bit of something in this movie compared to most actresses in movies. <laughs> Next up, B himself, Hugo Weaving. He gets a five out of five on the Natalie Portman scale. Yeah, he was pretty hot and tempting. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, Hugo Weaving. He was unbelievable. His acting is unreal in this movie. It's some of the best acting that I've ever seen. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, he didn't exactly have a British accent too strong either, though. <laughs> it's still a better accent than what Natalie had. Yeah. He he is British, by the way. He's British and Australian. He, he sounds... So I don't know. Doesn't he, by default, have a British accent, no matter how he sounds? He just sounds like Hugo Weaving to me. <laughs> his own <laughs> nationality. Mean? It's his own... <laughs> His own sound. He's from Yugovia. I thought he was great in this movie. He was acting with a handicap off the bat. He's wearing a mask this entire movie, and the mask does not move at all. You don't see his eyes. You don't see his mouth. You don't see anything. Everything this man does, he expresses it through body language and the inflections in his voice. He's like a cartoon character almost. And it's amazing that he was able to pull this off. It's a theatrical performance in in the movie. Yeah, you're right. I was about to say the exact same thing. He's acting like he's on On Broadway. Yeah, on stage and it really comes off and it makes it makes everybody else acting in this movie look like a joke because you have to do that right when you're in the situation that he's in when you can't see his face at all you, there's no room for subtlety you can't be subtle now. Nope. you have to go wild be, go big so people can understand what the hell's going you on you know what though he's not too exasperated he's not over the top it's like really is in the realm of possibility that his character would do these this body language that he's doing it's very believable I thought he was fantastic in this just absolutely fantastic next up Steve Stephen Ray. He was the cop. He was good. He was very good. Great. Really great. Didn't even list Stephen Fry. He was the TV host. How did he do? Uh, he was, he's probably my favorite guy in this movie. I thought he was great. Daddy Dietrich? Yeah, Big yeah. Daddy Dietrich. Yeah. <laughs> Why did they call him that? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down and so I'm like, Daddy? Question mark. <laughs> what is he fucking? <laughs> I'm going to Big Daddy Dietrich's house later. <laughs> So yeah, so far, everyone's doing a great, great job. And we round off this cast with John Hurt. He's the big bad guy. Yeah, he's he's great too. He's a character of a dictator. And I, I feel like he pl- he almost played a lot off of Charlie Chaplin's... Oh, what's going on here? Are, are you channeling Roger Ebert? He really did. <laughs> he really did. Like, I think he took a lot from like Charlie Chaplin's The Dictator. Hmm. Martin, here's a because, fun fact like, for you. Hit- Hitler does act a lot like that in that movie. Here's a fun fact for you. His John Hurt's character, it's very 1984, big brother. Oh, absolutely. Correct. And he's big brother in this movie. Right. In the 1984 movie from decades ago, John Hurt played the hero. Whoa. Just blow your mind. (laughs) It's all over your wall right now. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the brief history of V for Vendetta. Kevin did the notes. Kevin, how how are the notes this time around? I had literally (laughs) 30 seconds to do these notes. I'm very busy at work. You're lucky I even came with any notes. So you half-assed them. Quarter-assed them. Yeah, but I'm glad to have any of your ass. Okay, let's get into the brief history of V for Vendetta. Alan Moore, having already been disappointed with the film adaptations of two of his other graphic novels, From Hell and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, after reading the script for V to Vendetta, refused to view the film and subsequently distanced himself from it. Moore said that the script contained plot holes and that it ran contrary to the theme of his original work, which was to place two political extremes, fascism and anarchism, against one another. He argues his work had been recast as a story about current American neoconservatism versus current American liberalism. Per his wishes, Moore's name does not appear in the film's closing credits. Co-creator and illustrator David Lloyd supports the film adaptation, commenting that the script is very good, but that Moore would only ever be truly happy with a complete book-to-screen adaptation. The film had been seen by many political groups as an allegory of oppression by government. Libertarians and anarchists have used it to promote their beliefs. Activists belonging to the group 
group Anonymous used the same Guy Fawkes mask popularized by the film when they appear in public at numerous high-profile events, emulating one of its key scenes. These masks have been seen at Occupy Movement events. On April 17, 2006, the New York Metro Alliance of Anarchists organized a protest against DC Comics and Time Warner, accusing it of watering down the story's original message in favor of violence and special effects. Okay, Martin, this movie girly... <laughs> what, you didn't appreciate that? <laughs> no, it's absurd. There wasn't enough anarchy in this movie. It's funny how they said how the anarchy groups use this movie for their own agenda. I very distinctly remember the first time I saw this movie back in our hometown, Kevin, in our hometown crap theater. Mm. When I walked out, there were anarchists there on the steps giving out leaflets about Beaver Vendetta. They're like, you want to know the true story? Go to this anarchist website to find the truth. What do you think about that, Kevin? So that's how you got in to your anarchy? To my anarchist <laughs> subgroup. Is that is that why you have the big A circle spray painted on your wall? Yeah. Is that why you got the tattoo too? Yeah. The anarchy symbol on my forehead. I'm all about anarchy. You know, the only other time I've ever seen people handing out leaflets at a movie was when I went to go see Passion of the Christ at the same theater. And the anarchists were there too? Yeah, yeah they were. Do you, want, do you want to hear the real story about Jesus Christ as an anarchist? Yeah, Jesus was an anarchist, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this movie cost $44 million to make. How much did it make worldwide? 150 Kevin, how much did it make? <laughs> I don't know, like $120 million? <laughs> This guy read the notes, he doesn't even know. <laughs> $132 million. That's a payday. It's a spicy meat to ball. Kevin, what's going on with your throat? <clears throat> I am... <laughs> 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 Kevin. <laughs> hey guys. It's an ice road trucker. It has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I've been sick since we last recorded, basically. Perhaps I gave you a golden gift that night. Yeah, maybe. I, I had a, a couple golden gifts that night. Golden, I gave you a golden shower that night. <laughs> you just not rocketed right into his mouth, right? You were just like, <laughs> Kevin, open up. <laughs> okay, Viva Vendetta. So the movie starts off in typical, yeah, it's that bad fashion with a flashback. Back. It's been a long time, Kevin, since we've had a flashback here at Yes That Bad World Headquarters. And it's been even longer time since we had a flashback that went so far back in time yeah. than the plot of the movie. Not since the days of Cobra. <laughs> the rise. That's his G.I. Joe, the rise of Cobra. Have <laughs> we had a flashback this old? No, no. We had one for National Treasure, didn't we? Oh. oh. What about uh, Transformers when they went to Caveman <laughs> 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 not, not since when we watched 2001 A Space Odyssey in the leisure of our own free time did we see a flashback go yeah, back that far. far. <laughs> I guess you have to go to the Big Bang to like to be the ultimate <laughs> flashback. Yeah, so... Didn't they do that in the Tree of Life? <laughs> uh, That's outside of the purview of this podcast. I yeah, like. it is. What did you think of this opening flashback where we learned about Guy Fox? I know you two are just a bunch of Yankee doodle dandies and you don't know anything about this stuff. That's correct. Every November 5th, <laughs> I shoot fireworks off in my backyard for bonfire night. Yeah, you burn him in effigy. <laughs> That's what they do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get like a straw guy and I burn him. I remember the first time I heard, remember, remember the 5th of November. I was like, what was the 5th of November? <laughs> the gunpowder treason and plot. 
And then and then after I like heard about that, I thought that this movie was like celebrating Guy Fox, like he did some great thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, he didn't. This guy's a they kind of are in this intro sequence, right? It's like, so oh, yeah. remember, remember the man? He was so great in what he did. Uh-huh. And then and then I I I asked a British person about Guy Fox, and they're like, oh, he's horrible. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna open the floodgates right now. All those people of the British European persuasion, let us know what's the deal with Guy Fox. Is Make he, it brief, please. Is he is he <laughs> is he hated? Loathed? Lauded? Applauded? Beloved? I mean, do you guys like him or not? So this movie starts off with Guy Fox. For those who don't know, like the Yankee Doodles in this room, who was Guy Fox? What did he do? Guy Fox was Catholic, right? Yeah. And he was a he was trying to blow up Parliament. What, British what, Parliament? He was trying to blow, blow up British Parliament to 1500s, 1600s. Yeah, 1640, something, something like that. 1644. I don't know. Whatever. He was against Yankee the Pro- 1776. <laughs> yeah, USA, USA, USA. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it cuts forward from 1644 with a voiceover explaining Guy Fox. He died doing what he loved, which was <laughs> dying. Up, <laughs> He died doing what he loved, getting hanged, autoerotic asphyxiation. It shows him. Yeah, he was going at he it. He was shaking a lot, wasn't he? Why was he shaking so much when they hung him? That was his final blow. <laughs> his last gift. Well, Evie's going out for a night on the town to Big Daddy Dietrichs. Yeah, this opening sequence, I think, is really, really well done. We cut back and forth between V, Hugo Weaving, and Evie, Natalie Portman. Both of them are sitting in their bedrooms in front of their vanity mirrors getting ready for a big night out and the way that they cut back and forth between the two as they're both watching the same TV show it's just really really well done she heads out on the street and it shows it cuts back to V he's I guess running through through the back alleys of of London and Natalie Portman encounters two suspicious looking gentlemen yeah it turns out that she runs into the secret police I thought they were hobos yeah hey, the homeless men so the one guy he looked like a straight up rapist to me. Oh, yeah. Like, like his eyes, like they're all red. He's got rape in his eyes. <laughs> well, he didn't let me down because three seconds later... Spare the rod, spoil the child, right? I'm gonna go rape Natalie Portman. Here we go again, Kevin. Another rape movie in Yes, That Bad History. Every single movie we review has a rape subplot in it. If I was a woman, I'd be terrified from watching movies. Yeah, because... It, it, it makes me think I'm gonna get raped every time I step outside of my house. <laughs> They're just rapists everywhere. Just crouched behind every corner, just waiting for me. That's what these movies teach me. Well, anyway, yeah, so they're going to rape her right then and there. And then our hero, V for Vendetta, shows up. (laughs) That's his name. Yeah, V for Vendetta. Yeah, so V shows up. So what do you guys describe what V looks like? He's a man in a black cloak with... (laughs) Hey, wizard, come out from behind your cloak. (laughs) Remember that part? I do, I do. He's got a uh, he's got a black hat, black cloak, black pants, black shirt, and a guy fox mask. I dare say he's dressed like Reverend Ketchum. He's he's dressed like a Quaker, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, the force of that hit Kevin like a blow. <laughs> I just loved V for Vendetta, catch him and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Ketchum. <laughs> 
so he's he's dressed like a gothic Quaker. And he's wearing this mask of a man with a, a very broad, smiling, grinning face. Like if you personified a little bit more with detail the stereotypical drama masks mm. that you see in the like drama symbols of like smiling and crying. That's kind of like what the Guy Fox mask looks like. Yeah, so if you ever wondered why Anonymous runs around with these masks on, here it is. Here's here's where it's all about. Epic fail guy. There you go. Look, we, we got Anon right here. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the costume? I enjoy it. It's awesome. I think it looks amazing. I love the way this character looks. I think he looks so cool. Just that smiling face of his. Yeah, but it's not just a smile, right? It's it's more than that. Like it's it's very complex. The emotions that that the face has. Yeah, it's a smile, but it's like a grimace. Yes, it's almost like a sarcastic smile in a yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it, when you look at that, it's like someone who is in total control and they're one upping you, whether you know it or not. That's a really good point. And That's it's, a it's really so strange that it's so complex, but it it is like when you look at that, there's it says a million things. That's the face of you, mad bro. It's funny too because anonymous likes to use this mask and all these anarchist groups like to use this mask and this imagery but anytime anyone buys one of these masks in a store a piece of that profit goes to Warner Brothers (laughs) giant conglomerate (laughs) capitalist government (laughs) capitalist government Warner Brothers is the government Well, anyway, so V comes up and he fights these guys like they're a joke. He goes and saves Natalie Portman and he launches into this alliteration wet dream that I've, I still haven't woken up from. <laughs> What do you think of the scene? I've never seen alliteration taken to this level before, and I don't think anyone will ever see it again. No, it's incredible. It's over the top. The first time I saw this, I fainted. <laughs> That's how <laughs> yeah, enjoyable it was. You had a nosebleed. Yeah. Started, I had a full-on seizure, and I fainted. So then they cut to V attacking this government-run, I guess it's BTN, was it British Television News? All right, so V shows up. He's got this bomb strapped to his chest. He takes over the newsroom. He has them insert uh, a GameCube disc. <laughs> Yeah. That's absolutely what that is, by the way. That's definitely a GameCube disc. And it starts broadcasting this video that he shot previously. And since this is the one news network, which the chancellor made visible on every single house in the country, everyone in the country can wa- is watching this right now. And V's on there and he's saying that the people need to fight. They need to stand up to this government. And he wants them a year from now, next November 5th, to stand with him outside of parliament. Yeah, so this whole speech thing, I remember this was in the comic. It was. Kevin, what'd you think of this whole, his whole speech about uh, what he was telling the people? There's that one line in there that I thought was really good about how is like, who's to blame for this? The government is in total disarray. Who's to blame? You want to just look into a mirror. You mm-hmm. want to see. What'd you think? I like that. Although. Civil responsibility, Kevin. Yeah. That kind of stuff slightly undermines this movie for me. Okay. What's that? I, I'm probably going to do more of this later, <laughs> but I guess this, this government was voted in by the people. Yes. Right. It was selected by them and they have sat back and let this happen to them. Right. Is this, obviously the government's filled with bad people. Okay. But are they that bad? I mean, the people have put them in power. <laughs> Is it really that bad? <laughs> the people have put them in power and left them in power. The government committed like a mass genocide, genocide of its own people. <laughs> yeah, but when do we find that out? We find that out at the very end of the movie. Does that make them at this point, not bad when they did it? At, no, but at this point in the movie, I'm like, so wait, what's going on here? The people have voted in government the doesn't like the government, so he becomes a terrorist. Right. I guess that that's where my issue lies with this movie is they don't establish this government that he's fighting as the main terrible villain that I need them
them to be in order for me to be on board with him being a terrorist. Do you mean at this point or at yes. the end, ultimately? Throughout this whole movie, until I, the very end when they established that they killed 80,000 people, which is kind of just tossed in at the end. I wish I had known up front how evil this government was. All the, they, they dance around it too much. I think that they take for granted that we are just going to accept this is an evil government. Okay. Because that's what they had in their mind when they're writing these people. But I don't think that they laid that out for me clearly. That was the problem I had with this movie at the time, and it's still the problem I have with it. Kevin, I know a quick fix. Black background, white text, (laughs) scrolling in the beginning. Someone needed to narrate this to me. So if V started out and said, Quick an fix. evil totalitarian government has taken over Great Britain. Fine, fix, fine. <laughs> it's all done. It, in, it's in this scene that where we get a little bit more V fighting. V uses knives. What do you guys think of this? people. Of this uh, close as a... Uh, yeah, as Metal Gear. As Metal Gear, let's say CQC. Kevin? The fight scenes in this movie are great. I think they're shot really well. They're quick. None of the shaky cam. Oh, yeah. They're quick cuts, but they're not shaky cams. Especially for 2005, where shaky cam was... Was everywhere. Oh yeah, very in vogue. <laughs> he dispatches these officers with ease. What a bunch of chumps! It's 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 really good. The way that they shoot it and the way that they build the dramatic aspect of the fight scenes up is is theatrical. Especially the end of this fight scene with the police officers, where he's stabbed. They don't show it; it's insinuated. And when he leaves, it just shows his face, and he just coughs up blood. That was really well done. Yeah, and they also use an appropriate amount of blood. If yeah, you ask it's me, not, it's not over the top. It's not over the top, but it makes it clear that these guys are getting diced up pretty good. <laughs> Sometimes in, in, in movies like this, they go so overboard with the blood that it becomes, it becomes comical. And this was very realistic, which was nice. Okay, yeah, so as V is escaping from the television station, he gets held up by one of the cops, but luckily that Natalie Portman's there, and she saves him. Natalie Portman and V have this little conversation, and V says the big famous quote that was in all the commercials and the trailers over and over again. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. What are your thoughts on this commentary? This movie is is made for today. It's not made for 2005. Really? I mean, th- look at the world we live in. It, this movie is so much more pertinent today to such a significant portion of the planet that have been spending the past year or two years revolting against their government. So V goes after his first victim, which is the this loud mouth TV host guy who is in in his bathroom. This is the sickest bathroom I've ever seen. Oh, you see his shower? His shower is like in the middle of the room and the, the walls of his bathroom are giant television screens. I don't remember if we talked about him in the uh, the acting segment. This guy is tremendous. This actor. No, and, he's unbelievable. Yeah, and it's very interesting because there's a mystery going on in this movie of why does V want to get revenge on these people? Because it's more than just that the government is bad. He wants to get personal revenge against these very specific people. Mm -hmm. And this guy that's on TV is one of those people. And we get hints that they know each other. That V and this guy have a past. Okay, so V just murders this guy. He injects him with a poison or something. that That's how V kills his victims in this movie. And pretty much we get just like a lot of scenes of V going around and killing people. It's kind of interesting that I notice in this movie that this is a long movie, right? It's like two and a half hours or something like that. 
I would say that only 40% of it is V. He's not in this movie that much. It's mostly like the detectives that are looking for him yep. and the government and stuff. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting, right? Like they don't overplay their hand with this V character. We don't. He, they don't shove him down our throats constantly. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's good because he is such a theatrical and over-the-top character that the more time you spend with him, probably the less serious you'll take him. So I think it's probably better that it's in small doses here and there. Because I remember there's, there's a part in this movie where he just like disappears completely. Yeah. And, and he doesn't come back until the end. Well, anyway, so the movie just kind of goes on like this where V goes hunting after these people. In this scene, Natalie Portman escapes and goes to her boss at the TV station and he, she gets to hang out with him and we get to learn a little bit about this guy, Stephen Fry, I believe. Yeah. He does a great job Love this, this guy. movie. Yeah. I got emails from people telling me that he's considered to be a national treasure over there in England. Rightly so. He's just really good. He does a really good job. Yeah. And we come to find out that he is the kind of person that would be persecuted by this government because he's secretly gay, mm-hmm. right? And he has this secret cellar that's full of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I loved that this guy, when she's in his little secret cellar, she's, he he says he has the Quran. Yeah. And she's like, I, you're Muslim? And he's like, no, but I don't need to be Muslim to appreciate how beautiful it is. That was really good. Yeah. That's like, this, that, this is a serious movie <laughs> made by serious <laughs> professional people, right? As no. opposed to what, Kevin? As opposed to what we <laughs> Watch. Joke movies that we watch from a week to week basis. Like, whatever the crap was we watched last week. Mindhunters. I forgot what that was even called. You're right. This is a serious this scene. This movie's made by adults. For adults. Last week was made by are children. Saying, are you saying that, that this is for us? <laughs> Yo, boo-boo. This is boo-boo. I was actually going to bring that up when you were talking about Fat Farm before. <laughs> boo-boo streetwear, bro. <laughs> Okay, so while we're learning about Stephen Fry's character, other people are getting murdered. And this one woman who was like the lead scientist, who's also the coroner in this movie, gets killed by V in a pretty powerful scene. This is adult stuff right here. This is serious adult stuff. I ate this scene up right here. This is like, this is excellent storytelling, excellent acting. It's just perfect. Like the plot is progressed in a just beautiful way. What happens here? So this woman, she's sleeping in her bed. She she's startled awake and we can't see anything. The the room is very dark except that a window is open and then all of a sudden V is revealed. He's in the corner. He fades in. Yeah. Really, really done well. And she says, you're here to kill me, aren't you? And he says, I did already 10 minutes ago. And he holds up the syringe. And that was like, I was floored when I first saw that and I was floored again this time. Yeah. It's so great. We come to find out that this woman has a dark shady past. Dark checkered past? Dark checkered past with, with V. And that she did very bad things to him that we'll come to find out in in a couple minutes. But over the years, she's repentant. She's not like a cartoonish villain. Mm -hmm. At the time, she did really bad things. But she did it with like good intentions. Yeah, noble intentions. Noble intentions. She wanted to try and help her country or protect them in some way, shape, or form by advancing this research. And after whatever happened, which we'll get into in a little bit, happened, she realized the error of her ways and became suicidal 
wanted, you know, left the political sphere completely, changed her name, changed her job. She she just is tortured by this. And when, when, when he says, I've killed you already, she says, thank God. Thank you. The thing that she says to him that blew me away when I was watching it this time, like you said, like she is repentant. She, she, she knows what she did was awful. And not only is she repentant, she's like living in agony. Yes. So when V kills her with the, the poison, she says to him, is it meaningless to apologize? Like, no. No, it's not. And she apologizes to him like, I'm so sorry. And then she dies. That is excellent. Excellent filmmaking, storytelling. This character's in this movie for what, five minutes, and she has more depth than most like <laughs> leading characters in any of the movies we watch. You're a hundred percent right. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Like that is a three dimensional character mm-hmm. right there. You know what's interesting? Six dimensional. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in an after dark episode coming soon. <laughs> she leaves behind a diary, and we come to find out that this woman and a diorama. <laughs> yeah, she she, she built a little <laughs> mod. She won at the class science fair. There's like fish hanging from it's an undersea diet. Well, we come to find out that in the past, this woman was responsible for essentially a mass genocide where she was in charge of this medical facility and they were running all these experiments on these people that were rounded up. Like they were like the gay people, the immigrants, the homeless people, Muslims. The Muslims, they were all rounded up by the evil government, put into this facility, and they just like put them through all these tests and injected them with diseases and they did all this insane stuff to all these people. And we get to learn V's backstory here of who he was. Apparently V was one of these people that was rounded up to this camp. They injected him with this disease. Unlike everybody else just died. It had the opposite effect on V and it made him stronger. But it, but, it took away his identity. Yeah, like it erased his minds. And so he pretty much went crazy, I guess. He was in there. He's created by their, by their transgressions. Like he's almost like... The the antithesis of their actions. Like, what they do creates him. It, like, it just will. It has to happen. Well, in the flashback, we see that on November the 5th, whatever year this was, 10, 20 years ago, V escapes from this facility by blowing it up. In the comic, they kind of go into a little more detail how he does it, but in this movie, there's just like, there were explosions, and V escapes. And the scene where he escapes is just amazing, because they show V, we still don't get to see what his face looks like. He's just completely obscured, and he comes walking out of the fire, burned from head to toe, three degree burns, and he's like literally baptized in he's, fire. He was a new person when he comes out. Kevin, what'd you think? Um, I found the lava man a little silly looking. Lava boy? Yeah. <laughs> Shark boy and lava girl? <laughs> I'm gonna have to disagree whenever I see this scene and whenever he screams like the way that they show him reflected in her eyes is amazing and then when he screams I still get chills that is an extremely powerful scene it's like this raw emotive birth like he's literally (laughs) baptized in fire and then like this new person is like created out of like this ash and destruction it's really cool (laughs) well after this Natalie Portman is hanging out with her boss at the TV station and they're having like a special night and he says I want you to see what we did today we, we made something special for the TV and they, they're watching his late night TV show because he's like the Jay Leno of this world right he's the late night talk show guy mm-hmm. interviews people on his show he does a skit where he outright mocks the evil Hitler chancellor guy who runs the government openly mocks him on TV for like a good like five minutes there's like this whole skit of them making fun it's of hilarious. him hilarious the first time I saw this movie in the theater I was blown 
blown away by this sequence because I fully understood what was happening, like what he was doing, how he was like openly going against the government. And I knew what the repercussions were going to be for him. What do you think of this stuff right here? I'm uncomfortable watching this scene because it's like I'm watching this man commit suicide. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. It's like this guy's signing his death. He's signing his death, his death warrant. It's uncomfortable to watch him do this. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? You're going, you're killing yourself. They, which is absurd in and of itself. In this world, if you Benny Hill somebody, you, <laughs> the government comes and kills you. Who's very irresponsible in his part. Extremely. Since, especially he's I have a fugitive living in my her. home. Yeah, like he. <laughs> this isn't, this, this can't negatively impact you in any way. <laughs> okay, so Evie is captured by what we believe are these government operatives and they take her to a facility and they start torturing her. They put her into a cell, they shave her head. There's this big, long, drawn out sequence where she's, you know, be, trying to get broken down. Yeah, they give her food and like a rat comes out and the rat wouldn't even eat it. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch. Now we get this like this subplot of this lesbian couple that was killed in this Lark Hill facility. Yes, Natalie Portman finds a note in the wall and it's like the last will and testament of whoever was in the cell next to her. She right. wrote her autobiography on like toilet paper and, and she reads it and we get these flashbacks to this character who we don't even know but it's just used to show what happened in the past. I think this flashback scene in any other movie I, I would sit there and think to myself who cares let's go who are these people let's just move it forward I don't care. This is so well written and, and this so poignant. It's excellent. Yeah. It's just excellent this this scene. Mm-hmm. I'm almost like eat, every time I, I listen to this story and I get to the end like I get choked up. Yeah. I get, it's emotional. It's really emotional. It really is. Again, again, these are characters who are just like they're not even in the story. They're just like background. <laughs> they don't exist in the world of the movie. They're just like, they, they died in the past, yet they have more depth than like Val Kilmer Mindhunters. <laughs> it's not even that. It has more depth than the entire movie Mindhunters. <laughs> Like this one, two, three minute sequence, right? Yeah. It, it tells a story of this woman who, she's a lesbian and if, she knew that even as a girl and we follow her life as a girl and how her parents like shun her because she of this. She gets persecuted and she has like all these trials and tribulations and she overcomes them anyway and she like finds herself. And her, her finds her true love. And, and then the government comes and they they murder her. They and take they, her away for it. It's, 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 it's amazing. It, it's tr- it's like, it's this entire start to finish tragedy and then triumph of the human spirit at the end. Yeah. It's just- like four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a line in there that I think is just beautiful. Like what she says, like there's these scenes in it when she's like a young girl and she's confronting her parents and they're, they're just disowning her because she's gay. And she says, all I did was tell them the truth. Was that so selfish? Oh, that's beautiful. That's amazing writing. But Alan Moore, he's not, he's not down with that. <laughs> he's not going to have that. <laughs> I mean, we all we, we know who we have to blame to that, right? What we have the League of we Extraordinary really Gentlemen. We really do to blame for everything yeah. that's happened since. But you know, we really should have given this a spoiler warning, right? <laughs> we gave we gave Mind Hunters a spoiler warning. I adamantly oppose that specific spoiler alert. Hey, listen, you were lauding and applauding I will not that be one guy. Responsible. Whoever is interrogating Natalie Portman finally say, "All right, well, that's it. You're not giving us any information. We're going to execute you behind the chemical shed." He finally 
gives one last plea and it's, come on, just give them anything. They just want some information. And she says, I'd rather be brought behind the chemical shed and shot in the head. Or Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, she, she accepts like, her death. She accepts her death. She has no fear at all. She she would rather die than have them take away. <laughs> she put on her no fear t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to get killed. Uh-oh. Double cross. <gasps> Turns out she wasn't really kidnapped by the government at all. Is this a double cross? Oh, yeah. That's a double cross. V himself kidnapped her to rescue her, right? To save her from herself. He took her, kidnapped her, threw her in this cell, tortured her, and did all this, these things to her. Because earlier in the movie, she said she wished that she was fearless. I and- don't think that this is a double cross. I think that this is delivering on a promise made in the beginning of the movie. Yeah? Set her free? He did. He said he would He said he would do it. I don't think this is what she had in mind. Since we've already seen this movie before, we, we don't have the shock of and not... Of the not, shock and awe. Yeah, <laughs> of knowing that it was really V all along. But oh, I, I kind of... Yeah, oh, it was you. She actually does say, oh, it was you. <laughs> <laughs> They kind of tip their hand here because when V is there, he's talking and like, I know what Hugo Weaving sounds like. And so that guy in the shadows is chatting with her. Yeah. Like, That's Hugo Weaving. I wish <laughs> they, they didn't do that. I wish they had done something else. I thought they did a very... Whose voice did you want? The other guy. The other guy who's sitting it down. That's a totally different voice. Yes. But the guy at the door, that's Hugo Weaving. Yeah. I wish they didn't do that. I, he, it's better if he just didn't talk. So when Ellie Portman finds out that she's been duped, she's been a patsy all along, she breaks down and, and decides and, not to act anymore. Yeah, her acting skills break down too. <laughs> and, and Martin has a field day here. What happens? She essentially says, oh, I can't feel anything at all. Oh. <laughs> and V says, don't run. Look, Hugo Weaving, he continues to act, which makes her inability yes. to act even worse. <laughs> yes. Which is even more amazing because like, we don't see his face, his voice is muffled, <laughs> he had a mask, and he's still doing a better job. Other things that are happening all along the way during this movie, we often see the vice cardinal <laughs> chancellor. Whoa, he is. Whoa, he is, he is the vice cardinal. <laughs> we often see him. He's on this big TV screen. He's speaking to his minions, telling them what they need to do. Every once in a while, we check in and we're getting closer and closer to, to V's one year anniversary where he's asked everyone in, in to marry him in, in London to show up at Parliament. We're a few days away, and the vice cardinal has a great line where he tells the one guy, We he's, are being buried under an avalanche of your inadequacies. Beautiful. You gonna use that in real life? I'm gonna use that on my employees one day. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be in a giant TV screen yelling at your employees. <laughs> okay, so V sends out Guy Fox masks to the entire country? I don't know how he's able to bankroll 10 billion masks that he sent out to everybody. <laughs> I never understood this part of the, the story. This is the one thing that's always been like an issue with me. There must have been a factory churning out Guy Fox masks for the past decade? It's not it's, it's not just Guy Fox masks, it's the whole costume. <laughs> so at, at this point, everything's set up and we get this great allegorical scene where he knocks over a trillion dollars. This is dollars. so good. Like, I, I, I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but this one viewing, this scene really hit me, hit me hard. V is setting up a 10 billion dominoes on his floor, right? Another domino rally movie. I was so happy to have it. <laughs> 
and, and well, the inspector, he's kind of speculating on what's going to happen because it's November the 4th or something. What's going to happen next? And he's setting up what he thinks is going to happen about how someone somewhere is going to do something stupid that's going to trigger an event and everything. And like the, the scene that they show to show that uh, someone doing something stupid, I love this so much. There's Throughout this whole movie, we get this this little girl character with these big glasses. And in this, it's not even a flashback. It's like an... <laughs> he's flash forward? Yeah, he's having like an imaginarium... <laughs> Scene. Yeah, this was Dr. Parnassus <laughs> is there. Essentially, this girl has been going around spray painting V symbols. Which, by the way, Martin, do you remember in college when some joker was spray painting V signals all over campus? Yeah, of course I do. Was it you? No, it wasn't. Anyway, she's spray painting them all over, I guess, her neighborhood. And if, and one of those secret police shoot her. <laughs> yeah. <in the> <laughs> That was unbelievable. I love this scene so much. I love it because he's the corrupt cop guy. He thinks he's in charge. He has the power. And then all these people just swarm him and they, they, they murder him, right? Yeah. They slaughter that With guy. With their bare hands. They, <laughs> that scene is amazing. This 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 guy that shoots this girl for no, essentially no reason. Yes. He is physically beaten to a, a lumpy, messy, <laughs> pulpy substance on the street, right? By, by like a hundred people? They we, just, we, we never see it, but we just assume that's what's going to happen, right? I mean, they beat him like the monkeys in the beginning of 2001 Space Odyssey with the bones. They're just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, like we, we see V knocks over the dominoes that spell out his logo. His corporate... Yeah, spells out his corporate, corporate logo. logo. <laughs> <laughs> and and He's while, the corporate champion. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> And when the lo- when the dominoes are falling, it cuts through all this news footage of people rioting all through London. Mm-hmm. This is put together so well, Kevin. Best domino scene in a movie yet since right. Mindhunters. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, so when he knocks over the dominoes, this really beautiful thing where the last domino doesn't fall and, and V picks it up. It's like, this is significant, right? The mm-hmm. last domino stays standing because mm-hmm. he hasn't completed his, his mission yet. Man, this movie has some depth to it. Okay, so V makes a deal with Creedy and he gets the Chancellor captured in some type of subterranean subway sewer system. Now that the Chancellor is dead and this last villain guy is left behind, he has all his guards and V's there and now they have like one big final showdown, Battle Royale here, where they open fire on V. They they hit him like 10,000 times, a million bullets. (laughs) The first time I saw this, I was like, is this guy like invincible? Like I I was confused at that point. I was like, is he a superhero? Yeah, this is where it gets a little strange. Yeah, because he gets shot a trillion times. He's still standing and he goes, my turn. Pulls out his knives, they make a V shape and he starts slaughtering these guys. What are your thoughts on this fight scene? I liked it with the exception of the trail that the knives left. Ah, yes. It just kind of silly. That's Wachowski's right there. Yeah, it is, for sure. like that stylized choice. I I enjoyed it. I love this fight scene. I thought that Knives included. Visually, I thought it looked really cool. Well, anyway, so we cut to the end here, and V plans to blow up Parliament by using a train. He has a train filled with fertilizer, and he gave it to Natalie Portman as a gift. She gets to decide whether or not to launch the train and blow up Parliament. So, V comes back. He's like a bloody 
pulp and he dies in Natalie's arms. And they pretty much give him a Viking funeral, right? Like they put, oh, yeah. they put him in the train. The cop shows up, but it's too late. Natalie Portman sets off the train. He lets it happen pretty much. Mm-hmm. And the train goes off to parliament. Meanwhile, above ground, every single person in Europe is huddled around parliament wearing their V for Vendetta masks. They're pretty close to this building when it explodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is aware of that, but I definitely noticed it. Yeah, the 1812 Overture is playing and Parliament and Big Ben explodes. What are your thoughts on these effects? The effects look great. It looks phenomenal. That's a miniature work right yeah. there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why it looks real and not like yeah. a ridiculous joke, like <laughs> A-team or something. No, it, it looks great. I think they're standing kind of close to the building when it explodes. I'm surprised nobody is hit with any debris. Yeah, that would kind of undermine his his uh, whole point if like all of the, the rioters were murdered. <laughs> <laughs> that was his plan all along. Yeah, so, you know, they take all the masks off at the end, and it it turns out that when the inspector asks her who was he, she essentially says he was me, he was you, he was he was essentially everybody that he, he represented the populace of this oppressed country. And when everybody took their masks off in the crowd, it was all these characters that were killed throughout the movie. I love this. It's really good. I, I remember, I didn't notice that until like the second or third viewing of this movie, the people that are in the crowd watching the parliament blow up are all the people that died through the court. Like the little girl who got shot, the two lesbian couple is there, the the TV show guy. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That is just beautiful. That gets me choked up whenever I see it. It's it's amazing because it takes it takes their life, their mortal human life, and makes it something more. Like they they weren't just their life. They had they served this grander purpose. Yes, it's yes. really amazing. Yeah, and they were there to see the start of this new. Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah, this is extremely well done. I can't say that enough. Like This is a good movie. <laughs> I'm stunned how good of a movie this is. And you know, one more thing I want to talk about before we cut this off. The whole thing about V being he's me, he's you. Oh my god, he, he was you. <laughs> That's how it went. Oh my god, he's you. You know, I have a very distinct memory walking out of the theater the first time I saw this movie and hearing some people behind me be like, yeah, I wish I could have seen his face. <laughs> I have very, very distinct memories of that. I, and, and, I, I was there? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and to me, that just misses the point completely. Like, were you even watching this movie? Do you not get it? It doesn't matter who he is. You know what happened in the movie theater probably was they were, this this movie was marketed as like an action movie. Yeah, And that's not what this is. So did they miss the point? Probably because they're a bunch of idiots that <laughs> are, are in the movie with you. Shoveling popcorn in their mouths. The, the political allegory went right over their heads. <laughs> Okay, anyway, yeah, so that's it. That's V for Vendetta. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Richly satisfying entertainment the way movies are at their best when they prod you to think. Ruth Stein, San Francisco Chronicle. As manifestos go, this one's a beauty. Draped like a funeral, smart as a whip, and full of black-hearted romantic monologues and dramatically slit necks. Amy Biancoli, Houston Chronicle. And finally, this futuristic nightmare grasps at the same visceral uneasiness that juiced Matrix's cult before its impact was dulled by bloated sequels. Gene Seymour Newsday. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 73% around tomatoes. Is it really that good? I think it's way better than 73%. This is in the 90s for me. This is one of my favorite movies. The acting is phenomenal. It's shot well. The story is prolific. This is my top 10, I think. This is my top 10 favorite movies. I don't want to talk more favorably about it anymore because it's like a big love fest. I'm um, just going to drop my score of 5 out of 5. Whoa! 
You did it. You did it again. That's, that's two five out of fives for you? Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, Constantine. And what was the five no, for you? No, it was old. No, no. It? The five was you, Kevin, right? Yeah. Didn't you drop a five on did I? <laughs> no, wait. I didn't. I wasn't here for a movie. You said. Oh, I'm sure someone read an email reminding us of what it was. I could have sworn. Remember. That was. I could have sworn this is your second one. It is. Your first one was for Jumper, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, Kevin. For me, is it that good? Yeah, I think that's probably accurate for me. This is way better than the vast majority of the crap we watch. It's a competently made movie. But like I've said, I wish that they would have established the government as more it's evil earlier because especially back then, and I think it still stays with me, it's tough to root for a, a terrorist. I mean, that's just the way I am, I guess. So I need to know up front how bad these people are and that it's deserving of what he's doing. But like I said, I think this movie movie is more pertinent today. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's happening and to very evil people and governments. It's been happening over the past year or two. And that makes this movie more real today than 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 ever before, which is pretty cool, actually, when I was watching this. Like, that's the kind of stuff I was able to think about this time. I'm going to give it a four to five. Okay, as for me, is it really that good? I'm going to say yes. This movie deserves much higher score. It should be in the 90s, I think. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top 10. I have a very distinct memory of when I first saw this in the theater and I just walked away from it just like I was floating. I I felt so happy to have seen this movie. And that's how I knew right then and there that this movie gets a hard, rock hard five out of five. Whoa! Whoa. I have to say it. <laughs> yes. yes. You have to say it. You have to be shocked by your own score. I can't believe it. Whoa. My first five. So we've all given a five. Wow. What'd you give yours to, Last Boy Scout? <laughs> <laughs> League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Five out of five. So five, five, four. This is the highest rated Yes, That Bad movie. Deservedly so. By far. <laughs> I didn't know it was like a distance measurement. (laughs) I'm going to go on a limb and say this is the best movie that we've seen for this show, period. Cosign. In my opinion, anyway. I think it's the best movie I've had to watch for this. Cosign. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Robert writes in and says, Someone has now listened to your show while getting a vasectomy. I like your show, but your thoughts on the rise of Cobra doesn't compare to a middle-aged doctor ripping open your walnuts. Seriously, it felt like he was packing a lunch down there. Anyway, good podcast. What do you have to say about that? My life's work is complete now. <laughs> That's it, right? That's why we are doing this. Yeah, we can die. We can all die happy tonight. So we can bear witness to a vasectomy? You know, Kevin, I'm always telling you to follow the money. And you never listen to me. <laughs> But finally, a listener to the show stepped up to the plate. Okay. We got an email here from a General M. Bison. Whoa! Good evening, gentlemen. I've just listened to your Twister episode, and I believe I can answer a question posed in it. As you know, every Bison dollar will be worth five British pounds as established by the Bank of England once I kidnapped their queen. That being said, the movie Twister, with its $92 million budget, earned $494,471,524 dollars would be equivalent to a 12,081,624 bison 
budget and yielding of $64,934,988 bison dollars and 40 calf cents. Adjusting for inflation, that would be $17,455,334 bison dollars and 50 calf cents and $93,817,017 bison dollars and 62 calf cents. Kevin, he just followed the money all the way down to the bottom. What did you think? It's very impressive. I like how he calls it calf sense because it's like bisons and it's like children. <laughs> Fraggle Furby from London wants us to know that we've been mispronouncing Max Mingala's name. Oh, well. We've been grossly mangling it. Mangling Mingala? <laughs> it's pronounced Mingala. There you go. I don't think I care. <laughs> you don't give a damn. We have the same problem with Frank Langella. Langella? Langella? Frank Langeliers. Langeliers? <laughs> right. The Lumineers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hi ho. What a terrible movie that was. <laughs> Did you ever see that? They were eating time, right? <laughs> I still don't understand that. Very important email. Miles writes in. Did he get back? He got back to us. This is the only reason I came this week. (laughs) To find out if you can shoot a gun underwater a la Mindhunters. My mind is open. So, will a handgun fire underwater? Yes, but do not expect 100% reliability. I have actually fired weapons underwater, specifically a Microtech 556 rifle and Stoger Cougar handgun, and they all work. Though, the bullets are not going to go far. They will likely disintegrate. Or, if they are hollow points, they will mushroom out at very short range. I understand that the Russians and HK in Germany designed guns specifically for underwater use. However, they don't fire a bullet. They fire a long metal rod, not unlike a spear gun. Here's a video of what I believe is the current FBI standard issue pistol firing underwater. Give me a YouTube link. Guys, what are your thoughts? That's good news, right? That's important to know because we've seen guns firing underwater in the movies all the time. Now we know it seems so unrealistic, but it's partly feasible. It's so wrong. It's got to be true. There you go. Martin, this is an email for you. Dan writes in and says, just got done listening to the iRobot episode and I found out that Martin is a Jets fan. Not surprising considering where you live, but I'm also a Jets fan and I feel Martin's pain. Watching the Jets is often like watching a bad movie. You know how it's going to end, but somehow you can't help watching anyway. By the way, he's from Eugene, Oregon. Why is he a Jets fan? (laughs) Why would you do that to yourself? If you're free from the shackles of the tri-state area. You have no reason to be a Jets fan. Discard that team. <laughs> J-E-T-S. Brett, Brett, Brett. Brett, Brett, Brett. Yeah, that's how I live my life. What do you have to say about this? I, I don't know why he's doing that. Why is he a Jets fan? Okay, and finally, Jake writes in and says, I've noticed a trend in your recent podcast. It seems as though you've either had a, a run bad of luck getting your movies intact from Netflix, Street Fighter, and Cube, or just are having a hell of a time finding them in general like the 13th Warrior. This has caused me to reflect on my own recent frustrations with obtaining abstract movies such as Men at Work or Freaked. By the way, any of you see Freaked? Mm-mm. No. I, that's a great one. That's such a funny movie. Anyway, this leads me to my question. With the decline of video rental stores in the United States, do you ever miss their heyday? Do you ever long for those Friday nights once spent combing over scores of cinema treasures sitting right there at your fingertips? Sure, the application process was a headache and the late fees could be unbearable at times, but you gotta admit there was something lost to us when such a large chunk of the blockbuster and Hollywood video stores closed their doors. Let me know what you think. Thanks, Jake. Uh, 
I do not miss it. I mean, there was something to the ritual of it, but we I can do that on Netflix. I miss them greatly. I really wish there were still physical video stores we could go to. I've had some good times and some bad times. Yeah, we've had some seriously bad times. <laughs> Kevin, let's have a mini after dark and uh, talk about the infamous night at the Blockbuster. Well, there was one night when our whole group of friends from high school, we all went to the local Blockbuster store. We thought we'd get a movie to watch. And after an, an hour, if not more, three of hours, bickering, complaining, whining, fighting, we walked <laughs> out empty handed. We could not agree on a single movie in an entire Blockbuster. It was a nightmare. Hey, let's see this movie. No, I've already seen it. How about this movie? Someone on the other side of the store screams, no, I already saw that one. Constant back and forth. We were so angry that night too, right? When we walked out of that Blockbuster, I wasn't sure we would ever be friends again. (laughs) Wow. I thought lifelong friendships ended in that Blockbuster video. That was a nightmare. (laughs) I'm glad it happened, though, because we have that story. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yasthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time to announce next week's movie. Next week's movie is a little movie that's near and dear to Martin's heart. I know this to be true. We're going to be watching the classic film Lawnmower Man. I've I've definitely seen this movie two or three times. I've always caught it on, like, the afternoon movie, uh, the Saturday (laughs) afternoon. Afternoon movie on uh, Channel 11, WPIX New York. Saturday afternoon movie matinee. Lawnmower Man. I've never seen this. Yeah, me neither. I've seen clips of it and stuff, but that's it. So I'm looking forward to seeing this thing. Are we just doing Lawnmower Man 1? Because I noticed from Netflix, I added it to my queue, and it's not only Lawnmower Man 1, but it's the combo pack of Lawnmower (laughs) Man 2 included. Oh, Kevin, you gotta do it. You gotta get the full story. (laughs) Who is the Lawnmower Man? You get to find out. Okay, tune in next week when we'll be watching Martin's favorite movie of all time, (laughs) Lawnmower Man. Thanks for listening uh, to the show. True. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bad. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help with the show. If you want to follow the show, you can follow us on Twitter at yadsbad. You can follow Martin at yadsmartin. You can follow Kevin at yadskev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Riding in a bush and you're feeling something smush. Diarrhea. It's diarrhea. <laughs> Driving in a Chevy and you feel something, something heavy. heavy. Diarrhea. 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 When you're sliding into third I, and... I think you botched that one. Did I? My, my boy. <laughs> when you're sliding into home and you feel a little foam. <laughs> Diarrhea. Diarrhea. I thought it was sliding into third and you feel a squishy turd. <laughs> Diarrhea. <laughs> Diarrhea. I think I like that one better. There you go. When you're climbing up a ladder and you feel something splatter. <laughs> diarrhea. What are you trying to tell us? <laughs> are you trying to tell us something right now? <laughs> I haven't heard this crap since I was like seven <laughs> years old.